Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everyone, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about beginnings and endings of class. And I wanted to say a special thank you to Catherine and to Laura, who have both inspired this episode. Uh, as always, I'm always on the hunt for things that are going to be in service to you to offer on these podcasts. So if you have an idea or a topic or if you're stuck with something, do reach out to me. Hit me up on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach so that I can make a podcast episode that is exactly what you need for what it is that you're working on in your yoga business right now. Before we jump into the content, thanks to Renee, who's left me a review on the podcast. Those reviews and uh, stars, they really help. So thanks to everybody. Justine and everybody who has uh, sent a review in through Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that very, very much. Also, before we jump in to today's training, a reminder that the registrations for the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat 2020 end uh, this coming Monday, end of the month, the 30th of September is the last chance to get yourself registered. We do have two places left as of right now, uh, Thursday morning. So if you would like one, head over to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash retreats. Lots of information there, testimonials, videos to watch about what you can expect on retreat, all the inclusions and good stuff like that. Uh, If you have questions about the retreat before you sign up, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And if you need a partial scholarship because you know that you are meant to be there, but the reality of your abundance (laughs) makes you feel like this might not be the retreat for you, do reach out to me and let me see what we can arrange. If you know you're meant to be there, you're meant to be there. All right. So on to the topic for today. Today, I want to talk about uh, grace at the beginning and end of your classes. And I have come up with no fewer than 16, can you believe it? 16 checkpoints for you to consider uh, at the beginning and the end of your class to make sure that you are uh, really being the abundant yoga business owner and skilled teacher that you know you are meant to be. So I've broken them down into... Uh, four subsections. How organized is Amy this week? (laughs) I hope this helps helps them uh, be more understandable. You might want to just quickly jot down some notes on a cheat sheet here. So in the four segments that I've broken down about grace in managing the beginning and the ending of class, I've got the pre-class and during class for the commencement, and then the during class and the post-class for the end of your energy uh, and, ha- and how you manage that. And I'm just going to go through them because I think all 16 is going to take me our full 45 minutes today. So here we go. Let's just get going. So I've got one, two, three, four, five things to consider before your class starts. And I am um, basing these on my own teaching, 10 years of teaching experience, what I hear a lot from my clients, the people in my Facebook group community, uh, 
sometimes where I see boundaries transgressed, some are examples of where I've made conscious choices to do things differently to the betterment of my classes. Um, and uh, some are very much business specific, which um, is what I'm all about, helping you generate abundance through doing what you love. So here we go. Number one, don't arrive too early. It's a bit of a rookie move, but what I see a lot of yoga teachers doing is that they arrive really early, like half an hour early, 45 minutes early, uh, because obviously this isn't true if you've got a high tone of a studio, but if you're renting your own space, sometimes teachers arrive really, really early, uh, often because they want to get in their own practice before class starts, or they want to go over quickly, embody the class plan that they have before class starts. Unfortunately, what this can do is it encourages your students to show up really early too. I remember having a uh, someone who used to come to my classes when his teacher was away. Uh, she recommended he come along to mine, <laughs> lucky me. And uh, we taught differently. And he was a poor chap. I think he was upset that <laughs> he wasn't getting Eliza, he was getting Amy. And guess what? I wasn't his cup of chai, but he came along early nonetheless, about 15 minutes early because he had special ankles, folks. You know those students who are just so attached to their injury and their limitation? It's like their story. His ankles were very special. He needed to come in early, 15 minutes early, in fact, to warm up his ankles with a specific blankety, bolstery situation. And um, to be perfectly frank, it kind of killed my bath because I was doing the fine-tuning on my class planning. I was sorting out music and, you know, volume and room temperature and all of those good things. Uh, I wanted to spend a moment or two with myself before class started, uh, get my shiz together. And there was Mr. Ankles doing his special things and uh, wasn't a good deal. Another time I had a chap who, bless him, I suspect, and I don't mean to sound narcissistic here, give me a shout out on Instagram if this has happened to you. It's pure, I'm not taking this personally at all, it's purely the nature of the uh, hierarchy, the power hierarchy that exists between a teacher and a student, okay? This is not because of, you know, I don't know, a supermodel. Hell knows, I'm no oil painting. But unfortunately, this chap, I suspect, had a little bit of a yoga teacher crush happening. You know the one. Um, and so he would show up 20 minutes early to make chit-chat. Uh, so how you been, Amy? And for, for, for me, this is not a blanket statement about ethics and dating your students or any of those good things. That is a conversation best had over a good bottle of red. But for me, the way that my body works, I am a compartmentalizer. And uh, for better or worse, hopefully better, I'm not thinking about dating when I'm teaching my class. It actually just makes me feel uncomfortable when you can tell that there is an energy mismatch with someone else. And so if you are in a situation where you suspect that there's a bit of a yoga teacher crush going on with one of your students, showing up early is, um, <laughs> you know, it's just fertile ground for someone to think they can arrive a little earlier and give you a bit of a, so what's going on? What's been happening? And you don't want that. Uh, you want to shut that down. So arriving too early can can increase the, um, I guess, the sense of uh, energy exchange that you're having with someone, whether it's because their special needs with their special injuries, whether it's because they simply 
feel relaxed around you and they come early to take a little bit of Supta Baddha Konasana or whether it's because they're hoping to, I don't know, have a nice bit of banter that might lead to something else that's never going to lead to something else. The reality is the energy exchange you're having with your students is for a very small amount of time before class, rock solid through class, and a very small amount of time post class, and that's all. Don't show up too early. Another thing to remember about pre-class is to think about your props. Me, I get my own props out. What will I need my students to have for the class? I set them up and then as my people arrive, they look at my mat, they see what I've got, they go to the props cupboard, they get the same things, they go back and set up their own little yoga nest. You may be the sort of person who wants to get everybody's mats out and get all the straps and get all the blocks and get all the bosses and fold up the blankets and preheat them on the hydronic panels or whatever you want to do for people. But decide and be consistent. I do encourage everybody to take my, follow my example, uh, which I learned from my teacher. It's not my job to get your props out. It is my job to be very clear about the props you need so that when you show up to my class, you can look at my mat and see, okay, today is a two blankets, two blocks, one strap class. I know what to do. But either way, whether you're a get it for them or a tell them what to get person, be clear and make sure that it is efficient before the class starts. You don't want people having to go to the props cupboard during class or, you know, lining up to do a chain gang of handing out bolsters during class because that's going to impact the amount of time that you can teach. Get the props sorted before the class starts. Next. Uh, warmly welcome all of your new people. Go spend time with them. Don't be weird, stuck on your mat when someone new shows up. Go say hi, ask them you know, who they are, if you have a waiver form or anything like that. That's when you get that done. That's when you do the money thing. If they haven't paid in advance, do the money thing before class. But be really personable and engaging with new people. Say, hey, introduce yourself. They may not know that you're the teacher. Uh, let that be really clear. I like to go up to people and say, hi, I'm Amy, I'm the teacher, which gives them the opportunity to say, hi, I'm Charles, I'm new, I'm a bit nervous. And I say, cool, Charles, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, have you done any yoga before? And away we go. Don't be standoffish with your new people. This is a business hack as well as just a you know, good yoga teacher practice hack. If you're warm and welcoming with people when they arrive, they're much more likely to come back. Uh, number four, use everybody's names when they walk in the door. Uh, I've recently met somebody who doesn't use my name and it freaks me out. Using someone's name is incredibly powerful. Remembering people's names and saying hello to them by name as they arrive, and I don't care if you've got four people or 30, it is an important part of building rapport and connection with your students. Again, makes for a better class, plus helps with your retention. Don't be nervous about using people's names if you tend not to challenge yourself to do it. And you know what? If you get someone's name wrong, it's okay. I'm like, hey, Jeremy. He says to me, I go by Jez now. Okay, come on in, Jez. I gotcha. Don't worry about it. Everybody makes mistakes, but don't be nervous about fucking up someone's name or getting it wrong or forgetful. It's also okay to go up to someone and say, oh, it's great to see you again. You haven't been for a while. I've forgotten your name. Could you remind me? But use people's names before the class starts. And then finally, be present. 
you know, get all of your shit together so that in the five minutes before class you are sitting down or you're at the door or wherever your place is and you're available to talk and welcome people. You're setting the tone. Your energy is already starting to create the container for the class itself. If you're scatty and running around or faffing about trying to find change or fine-tuning your practice or warming up your own calves or whatever, you're not being energetically present for your students and your class will get off to a bumpy start. Do what you need to do to be really present so that you've set the energy tone for the rest of the class. So they're my five pre-class Point, checkpoints. Not too early, use people's names, be present, figure out the props, and greet your new people. Next, during the start of your class, so this is when, depending on your lineage or your methodology, people are all sit, seated and ready, or maybe everybody is in Shavasana, or maybe everybody is in Supta Konasana, whatever it is, but the period of class, maybe you chant a mantra, maybe you do some um, a pranayama or a little bit of meditation, whatever it is you do to open the class. For me, it's uh, pretty much standard. We do some, um, just enough, very simple warm-up so that people can sit, down dog, balasana, maybe a simple twist, just enough asana so that people can sit. Then I will do a little bit of theming, introducing what we're working on for the day. Then we will do some uh, ujjayi pranayama, chant the invocation, a couple of rounds of Nadi Shodana Pranayama, and then we get going with what the, the actual class. Whatever your commencement practice is, again, this is where you um, this is where you have the opportunity to influence the tone of the entire class, the main body of the class. So be intentional about it. Again, I got five points to go through for that intro portion of the class. One, intentionally set the tone. Check your voice, check your energy, check the volume of your voice and the tone of your voice and the the pitch, the cadence of your voice. If you are teaching something that is going to be more active, you're going to talk faster and you're probably going to gesticulate more and you're going to maybe talk louder. If you're about to teach a restorative, tone the voice down, start to speak slowly, maybe even more softly so that people have to really tune in and listen to you so that, again, they're starting to be present. Be aware of what's coming up in your class plan and intentionally set the tone. Number two, introduce the theme. Now, this doesn't mean you need to read a roomy poem unless, of course, that's what you do. But, you know, if you are going to teach them about the glute, if you've got a gluteus medius class coming up, you might want to have a picture to show them. You might want to get everybody to feel their own butts. I don't know, but the beginning of the class is when you set the theme. If you're going to teach Hanumanasana and you're going to tell them about the leap to Lanka, that's when you can do some storytelling. Or if you are going to teach on, I don't know, Anahata Chakra, um, then you know you, you might want to do a little bit of a quick talk about what chakras are and what Anahata Chakra is about and the themes that that exude from that topic. Set your theme in the opening sequence so that you can touch back on it throughout the class. Number three, be mindful of the mood of the room. This is an opportunity to just get a sense of the pava, the mood, the tone, the rasa, the flavor in the room. You know 
if you if you've got a room full of exhausted yogis, if you were going to teach a Pinchamayarasana peak pose class, but you can tell when everybody rocks in that they're all knackered, then you might want to make some tweaks to your class. Maybe you don't go into full pincher. Maybe you just do some warm-ups and give everybody a longer shavasana with the five minutes that you saved on going to the full pose. But get a pulse, get a read on the room in that centering time. Where's everybody at? How is everybody feeling? You know, if you know your people and, and if, you, if you have more of that community vibe, has something gone down in your town that might have rattled people? Is the weather, you know, is everybody exhausted because it's been a hot day or uh, has everybody had to really, has it been like a snow or something on the road that people have had to, it's been more difficult for people to get there? Are they more anxious or stressed out because there's been an accident, something like that? Is there something going on that's impacting the room? What's the tone? What's going on? Check that. And then because you're a professional, you might want to tweak your class plan to accommodate the pava, the mood, in the room. It's also a great time at the start of class to check for any new people that need to give you a quick, this is my medical staff. If they arrived right on the, right on the start time and you haven't had a chance to go over and say anything I need to know about about your body to keep you well during class, you can do something like let everybody take some rounds of Nadi Shodana Pranayama so that you can move around the room and check in with those new people. Hey, I'm Amy. I see that you haven't been before. I just wanted to check, you know, where are you at with your yoga practice? Are you brand new or is it long-term monogamy? And is there anything you need to tell me about your body before we get going? Again, just make sure that you're really uh, uh, equipped with the information you need to teach a stonkingly great good class. And again, retention, business principles, your new people are, see- are feeling seen and heard and recognized um, through the class. And then finally, the thing that I really encourage everybody to do, and as I've been saying on my Facebook page over the past couple of weeks in my live trainings, the very start of your class is when you need to check in with with actual consent about hands-on assists. Um, You may have assist cards or tokens. I'm seeing a lot of those come up in in, uh, classes more recently. Something that I do when I'm teaching at festivals or big events when you don't have a whole lot of time and you've got a room full of people you don't know, this is a great thing for people who sub a lot of classes that don't have consent tokens or consent cards. You can simply ask everybody to close their eyes and then anybody who does not want hands-on assists to raise their hand. That way you know who's good with getting a physical adjustment and who's not and nobody feels uncomfortable because they're the person that's like, oh shit, I'm going to freak out if she touches me. You know that in advance or vice versa. But getting uh, regular, um, uh, not um, not just assumed consent, Like you can't just assume that because someone hasn't said to you, I don't want hands-on assists, that they actually are okay with it. It's a good thing. It's good practice to be checking in each class with people. Sure, if it's the same people every week, you don't need to know. You already know. But if you've got new people in the room, uh, the start of your class is when you can do that quick check-in, anybody not comfortable with hands-on assists. Let it be overt. You know, these days... I'm a firm believer in the power of a good, informed, uh, professional hands-on assist. And 
as professional yoga teachers, we cannot assume that everybody in the room is okay with that. The days where you can get a deep heat sacral massage in your Jiva Mukti class are done. None of that's okay anymore. You need to be checking in. And the start of your class is when you do that. So let me go through my five during the start of your class points again. One, set the tone with your body language, your voice, the words that you're choosing, your energy. Two, introduce your theme, whether you're telling a story or reading a poem or you have a physical um, emphasis for the class introduce it, then explain it so that you're not suddenly going halfway through the class. Oh, and by the way, this is Anahata Chakra. Oh, oh by the way, this is your psoas or, or retract and depress your scapula. And people are like, what the F are you even talking about? Teach a little bit of theory at the start. If you intend to raise it later down the track, three, be mindful of the mood in the room and the, the feeling tone in the room and adjust and tweak your class plan before you get going. Then if everybody is high vibe or if everybody is exhausted, notice that and make adjustments if you need to. Three, four, if you haven't had a chance to check in with your new people, you get to do it then. Go to them. Don't ask across the room. Hey, Jason down the back. Glad you're here. Got anything you need to tell me? Jason needs to tell you about his adult incontinence. He ain't going to scream it across the room, right? If someone's 12 weeks pregnant and she's still on the down low, you don't want her telling the whole class. Go to them and ask them. Be discreet, low voice and ask. And then five, check in again with your hands-on assists. If you do hands-on assists, please let's all be better and more sensitive about this. Check in are people okay with it or not? It gets to be simple. It gets to be private. You get to be uh, very diplomatic and professional about it. Don't need to labor the point, but give people the opportunity to opt out if they don't want physical contact from you. Screaming through them. How's everybody going? I uh, hope these are useful. This is the, this is a lightning fast, get it, get it done, tick it off the chart. I should make you a handout. Let me know. Hit me up on Insta, people, if you would like these in like a handout that you could just check off. Maybe that's a useful thing for newbies or people offering teacher trainers, tra- tra- teacher trainings. I'm um, very happy to make this into some kind of fancy-looking PDF. If that would be in service, let me know. All right. Now, I'm going to trans. So that's the stuff that you do before the class starts and as the class is starting in your opening window. I'm going to switch gears now and talk about the, towards the end of class and then what you do after class. And I'm inspired here by a conversation I had with one of the women in my Keep Growing Mastermind who was looking to bring in a new class to her studio. And she's really excited about it, uh, really re-energized and uh, boosting her creativity. But the what she was nervous about was that if she brought this new class in, there was only one place in the timetable that she could fit it. And it meant that it would finish 15 minutes before the next class started. And she said to me, you know, 15 minutes isn't long enough to get people out and get the new people in. People are going to want to talk. They'll be debriefing. Um, how can I get them all out of the room before the new class starts? And so This is really, really important, folks, and it is where you get to be a more masterful teacher because, remember, you are the the manager of the energy in the room. You are the one that is in control of the collective vibe, the frequency, the resonance in that space. And so as I was saying to my client, 
if you need to leave, get your people to leave fast, that's your job to manage that so they are ready to leave in a way that you desire them to. You can, I'm, I don't, I'm saying this with love and not like freaky cult mind control, but you are in control of raising and lowering the energy in the room. That's part of your job. And you can be very, very intentional about that. For example, my client, she, you know, she had this concern. How does she get everybody out? People are going to want to debrief. People are going to want to talk to each other. She's got a restorative yoga starting in 15 minutes. She doesn't want a room full of jazzed up folks. Maybe, you know, how could she possibly put something so close on the timetable? And my coaching to her was this, exactly what I said to you just now, you're in control of the energy. If you need people to leave fast and quiet immediately at the end of class, it's your class planning and the way that you are showing up and teaching that will create that reality or not. So for her in her particular example, she knew that she needed, as soon as people came out of Shavasana or meditation, she needed them quiet and out the door fast. How do you make that happen? This is how you make that happen. In the, in the, in the closing portion of her class, she takes questions. She didn't want to have chitter chatter and people discussing what they'd just learned. So she factored in a couple of minutes before they moved into the winding down component of the class to see who has something to share. Does anybody have a reflection on what we've covered tonight? Would anybody like to ask a question or do you need to know anything more before we finish up for the evening? Does anybody have anything that they'd like to share that might have come up for them during the practice today? People have the opportunity to talk. Then they don't need to after class. Then you start to slow down your delivery, talk more slowly, lower the, lower the uh, volume of your voice, gesticulate less, and start to draw the energy in. Then you move into some kind of quiet thing, whether it's shavasana, maybe it's shavasana, and then come back up for seated meditation, maybe just in vajrasana for two minutes, just enough so that people are upright and alert, but quiet. And then maybe you say to them, and I love this, thanks everybody for a beautiful class. My invitation now is that we really respect the energy that we've just created and that you, and that we respect mauna or noble silence as you move from our class and this energy, this feeling tone that we've co-created back to your car. Use the next couple of minutes as you transition out of class and back into your life for noble silence, for reflection. Please, no talking, stay silent as you put your props away and leave. That's it. They're not hanging around. They've done all the talking. They're down-regulated and relaxed, and they're not looking for a chitty-chatty. And you've just told them that they have an opportunity to take a little bit of yoga off the mat and back into their life by walking to their car in silence. So point number one for thinking about finishing up the class is to, again, manage the energy. How do you want people to actually leave the room? 
weave that in as you begin to complete the class. And I'm not talking about the last minute. I'm talking about sort of what do you do in the final 20, 15 minutes of your class so that people are leaving with that energy, with that feeling tone that you desire them to have. What is the sort of energetic legacy that you are uh, desiring to give to your students as they leave? And from a business perspective, what do you need done so that the class wraps with a feeling tone that is what you're looking for? The second thing to do at the end of class is to mention your other offerings, not after the class, but during the class towards the end. And for a lot of you listening, I know this is going to be scary. I don't want to be salesy. We've just done Shavasana. How can I then tell them to go sign up for my workshop? I promise you, this is when people want to know more. What I often talk about is the dessert menu. This is your opportunity to share the dessert menu, okay? Think about it. You've been at a restaurant. You've just had the most beautiful meal. You've loved every piece of it. Nothing left on the plate. Fantastic. It was exactly as your friends had described. It was exactly what you were expecting after reading all the reviews on Yelp or whatever. And the waiter comes over and says, would you like to see the dessert menu? Now think about that energy for a moment. Do you feel in that moment like, oh my God, you've just fucked the whole meal coming over here with your pushy dessert menu. Get out of my face. Or are you thinking, well, you know what? That was amazing. So yeah, let me take a look at it. That doesn't mean that you want dessert, but you'll love to look at the menu because you've just like blown your mind with the main course. No one ever feels like they're being forced into something or that someone is being pushy or salesy or weird with them if you approach it like a dessert menu. So it might look like this. Folks, thanks so much for your energy tonight. I hope now you know a little bit more about the hip flexors, how they work and how they can get really tight when you have a desk job. Don't forget you might be feeling this a bit in the hips over the next couple of days and you can use any of the stretches that we've done here tonight to alleviate that. Before I finish up for the night, I did want to mention a workshop that I'm hosting in two weeks about yada, yada, yada. It's going to be really good for people who are looking to bloody blah, blah. Um, and if you would like more information, I've got a flyer up here on my mat that you can collect once the class is done. Now, let's all come back to whatever, whatever, for the final component of the class tonight. That's it. That's it. Not weird, not salesy. I'm not doing that. Um, by the way, I've got a poster, but I don't want to talk about that because, you know, I'd hate to like mess with your vibe. That's when people feel weird. But if you're just the waiter saying, would you like to look at dessert? I mean, shit, I look at the dessert menu every goddamn time. You know, ask anybody who goes out for a meal with me. They come around with the dessert menu. I'm like, yeah, bring that thing over. I rarely order dessert, but I love looking at the menu. Just offer what you have, calm, confident, open heart, because let's face it, you're only allowed to offer things you're in love with. That's Amy's rule in business number two. You're only allowed to offer things that you're in love with. If you're not in love with it, you've got no business promoting it. But if you love it 
Think about it like the dessert menu. Would you like some cheesecake? I'd like to see what types of cheesecake you have. Turns out I don't want cheesecake. But I like looking at the menu and I never felt weird about it. So the two things to consider as your class is finishing is intentionally, intentionally create the energy in the room that you desire to have. How do you want your students to feel when they leave? It's your job to make that happen. Now, if someone like Amy, for example, has just done Supta Padakonasana, sorry, Supta um, Padangustasana with a strap and she's lost her shit and she's boiling her eyes out silently, rocked, racked with sobs in the corner of the room, obviously you can't control how she's feeling. That's okay. You may have some outliers to your feeling tone graph, but what you can do is generally, for the energy in the room, intentionally create that feeling tone, that's your job. Like if you're leaving people kind of a bit, what the hell was that? Like the class I mentioned the other week when the teacher said, what do you guys want to do? I've run out of ideas. Fair to say I wasn't leaving feeling restful. But if you want people to feel like ready to go back to work, if you're teaching a lunchtime thing or pumped up and ready for a day, if you're doing a morning class or barved out and ready to go to bed, if you're like doing yoga for insomnia or um, intrigued and uh, and inspired if you're doing yoga teacher training and you want your kids to go home and hit the books, whatever energy you want people to leave with, it's your job to make it happen. How are you structuring the end of your class such that that is the case? And two, make sure that you're offering your people something. Here's a, here's a, like a 2.0 tip for you. Make it a requirement for yourself that every class, every class at the end, there's a dessert menu every time. Whether it's I'll see you tomorrow or come back on Friday or come on my retreat. Don't forget term starts in three weeks. I dare you. Make it part of how you roll and aka very normal to offer something to your students at the end of every class and watch your retention and your intake go through the roof. Don't be weird about it. Just be the fabulous waiter at the gorgeous restaurant saying, would you like to see the dessert menu? And then finally, what do you do after class. And I've got four of these for after class. And I'm going to go back through the entire list because I realized that this podcast has had a lot of uh, things in it. (laughs) Normally I'm like, teach three things. Today I'm teaching you 16. What can I say? I'm overachieving. It's September. Post-class one, figure out what you're going to do about the props. Okay. This one is important. This one is about you're the teacher It's your job to decide how the props are getting managed. Me, my people put their own props away. No surprises there. Not only do my people put their own props away, where I teach, the the mats have to be rolled with the dots facing in, not the dots facing out. The blankets have to be, you know, folded to Tadasana blanket. Thank you, BKS Iyengar, for that. Uh, The straps are rolled with the buckle on the outside, not the inside. People know how to put the shit away. That's a boundary for me. That's a class etiquette thing for me. Uh, Get your students to put the props away and make sure they know how. Again, that's your job. If you find that everybody's left and then you're refolding all the blankets because it's a shit show, that's on you, baby. Or if you're hosing down mats because people didn't get the spray bottles out like you meant to tell them to, that's on you. You have to teach your people how to do this stuff. You're the teacher. You know how to teach. Teach people how to wipe down a mat. Teach people how to fold a blanket. Teach people where the straps get put away. Teach people, uh, I don't know, whatever else needs doing in the room to tidy it up. 
or accept the fact that you're the person who goes around and packs up all the shit after they've left. I don't recommend that one, but if that's how you roll, okay. Hot tip, psychology, human psychology tip. People feel more connected to you when they help you. So if you know that you are a people pleaser, oh no, I really like to create a beautiful environment for my students. I really want them to feel nourished and supported. So I put all the shit away at the end. I love you. I want my students to feel supported and nourished as well. Guess what? They feel more connected when they help me. That's not my ego. That's human psychology. Think about it. Don't you feel like my dog sitter? I feel better about our relationship when I mow her lawn or bring in her firewood. She's 81. She needs my help. She hates it, but I do it anyway. Rather than when she helps. I feel guilty when she helps me, but when I help her, I feel great about us. The same is true for your students. So if you're, if you're mistaking your people-pleasing tendencies for being a really caring yoga teacher, check that. I know it's challenging, and I'm saying this with love because I'm obsessed with all of you, honestly. But just check it out. Are you really putting people's props away because you genuinely believe it helps them have a more nourishing yoga class? Or is that a samskara about being a yes person? And if you genuinely want your students to feel more connection with you, it's human psychology that they will when you ask them to help you. It's how we are wired. This is not just Amy saying, firm up your boundaries, dear one. This is brain science. Either way, be clear about what happens with the props and communicate it to your people. Two, check your body language at the end of... Once class is done, be mindful of your body language, right? If you are staying sitting on your mat and you're having person after person after person come talk to you, or you know you know this one, you've probably been that person. I know I have at the end of a workshop. There's like everybody wants to have a little quiet moment with the teacher at the end. So you, so the teacher stays sitting on the mat and then they have to have these one-to-one little satsangs with every person in the room, which 20 minutes later and you finally had everybody's, I really needed to hear that from you tonight moment. I'm not devaluing it. I've been that person. It's precious stuff. Don't get me wrong. But if you have to get home to your babysitter or move on to the next class or go put on your Facebook ad for your yoga business, you don't have time for 20 minutes of individual satsang with each of your students. That's just real. They're paying you for the class, not an hour on either side of it of your life. So use your body language to let people know how available you are to sit with them and hear their stuff. Stand up, stand near the door, turn off the heater, get your bag, use your body language to indicate that class is over. You're not saying, look, I'm sorry, Sarah, I'm really sorry to hear about your cancer, but I got to get out of here. I need to buy milk on the way home. I'm not saying being an asshole. There is time to sit with students, but sometimes that can be used to excess. Remember, people, we have a power differential here. People are looking to us for things outside of teaching yoga. That's inappropriate, and it's our job to manage that with love. Use your body language to indicate that class is done. Stand up. Roll up your stuff. Put your stuff away. Stand near the door to let people know that it's not time for chat. It's time for go. Uh, next, if people come up to you with complex questions, Amy, I really like that Dhanurasana. I want to get better at it, but I'm finding that my left knee always hurts and I just don't know why. What do you think I should do? 
rather than rolling out your mat again and getting them to roll out theirs and going through some Danyarasana drills, you say to them, oh, I'd love to help you with that. You know, I have one-to-one classes, right? That would be the perfect container for us to spend more time looking specifically at your knees and how we could adjust that pose so that you feel great about it. Would you like me to send you some information? Everybody always says to me, Amy, how do I get more one-to-one clients? That's how. Stop answering those questions at the end of class and start answering them in one-to-ones. Again, this is not just a business hustle. This is respectfully giving your students concern the time and energy that it deserves. You might have noticed my intonation there because I wanted to bring that point home, baby. If you are saying to someone, if they're saying, like, my, the, my neck always hurts in a headstand at the end of class. I really want to, I love headstands. I love inversions, but my neck always hurts and I'm not sure what to do. And if you're saying, oh, you know what? You just have to move your hands a little bit. That is not being respectful of the issue at hand. The issue at hand is they need some realignment stuff. They might need some strength building drills. Maybe they're weight bearing through their neck because they haven't actually developed serratus enough to use their upper body to support them in that inversion. If they're asking for more help, offer it to them. Offer it to them. If you offer one-to-ones and you're not saying in that moment, I'd love to help you with your headstands. Let's meet up for an hour and go over it. I'll send you some information and a booking link so you can get it all squared away. If you're not saying that you are doing a disservice to your student, if you're brushing them off because you do need to get home to feed the dog or whatever, watch Game of Thrones, I don't know, whatever people do. Bad you, bad yogi, bad yoga teacher. Offer a one-to-one. If people have complex questions at the end of class, you need to be offering them your one-to-ones. That's what they're for. You're not being pushy or weird. And they may never take you up on your offer, but they're going to feel great that you said, hey, we should do it in this way. Like everybody feels good about being asked on a second date, even if there's no way in hell you're going on that date. But the fact that someone wanted to go take you on another date feels nice. I'd really like to see you again. Want to check out this movie? That feels nice. Even if your answer is hell no. Okay. That was a little bit too much of my own personal story. (laughs) Moving on. Number four, check back in with your newbies. Critical for retention and just being a good person. Anyone who was new that you didn't know beforehand, you need to have a very quick chat with them at the end. Hey, Brian, before you head off, how was class? How'd you find it? How are you feeling now? And you need to say, also, I'm just going to just want to let you know that I'll send you an email tonight. It's just got a couple of points about what you might feel tomorrow, given that you haven't done yoga before. I think it'll be helpful. See you next week. That's all. And of course, then after class, you go send Brian the email that says, drink more water. If your legs feel sore, touch your toes a few times. And here's the link to book in for next week. Retention strategy, right? And also being a good person. You'll find that the majority, no, not the majority, all of Amy's retention hacks also are Amy's be a good yoga teacher, be a good person hacks. It's lovely when, (laughs) when your business is aligned with your dharma, this tends to happen. Okay. So they're the post-class things to do. Get clear about how the props get put away. Get intentional about it. Whether you do it or they do it, get specific so everybody knows no one's feeling weird and you don't have like 
I don't know, slumber party demolition derby at the end of your class. Use your body language to indicate that class is over. This is especially for any of you who find that you've got people who stay around for ages. If you are still, if you are locking the door 20 minutes after the end of class, you are not managing your energy well. That is a prana leak that you need to address. And especially if it makes you uncomfortable to say, okay, now folks, it's time to get out of here. Like for me, you know me, I'm going to say to my people, for fuck's sake, would you just piss off? I want to go home, watch Game of Thrones. And everyone will laugh and go, oh shit, Game of Thrones. And they'll be in their cars and out, gone, right? Like bloody wily coyote sort of dust cloud. But if the idea of being upfront with people about leaving freaks you out, use your body language. Stand up, stand near the door. You don't have to tap your watch or anything, tap your foot. Um, hello, I'm not saying you go there, but use your body language to let people know. Pitch your one-to-ones to people to, that have complex questions. Could you help me with this? I'd love to start my own practice, Amy. How do you think I should get going? Anything like that is when you lovingly say, oh, I can totally help you with that. The best way to do it would be in a one-to-one. I'll send you some information if you like. What's your number? Or what's your Facebook? Or hook me up on Insta or however you want to connect with people. And then check in with your new people, have a short personal exchange with them and let them know that an email is coming from you with some tips and a link to come back next week. Yes, Amy, you're a superstar. You got through all 16 in 44 minutes. I'm going to do a quick recap. If you wanted to make your own checklist, pre-class, don't get there too early. Use people's names, be present, figure out your props, and talk to the new people. At the start of your class, set your tone, introduce your theme, check the mood in the room and adjust your plan accordingly. Say hello to new people again and check for hands on assists and touch consent. During the end of your class, manage the energy so that people leave with the feeling tone that you desire them to have, particularly if you need a quick turnover. It's your job to manage that. And mention your offer. Offer the dessert menu. And then post-class, figure out how the props get put away and communicate that clearly. Use your body language so that people don't hang around. Pitch your one-to-ones to people who have complex questions And check in again briefly with your new people and let them know that that email is coming. There you have it, folks. That's everything I wanted to share with you all for today. I hope that's useful. Thanks, Catherine, for the suggestion. And thanks, Laura, for helping me flesh it out a little bit more. I I really am grateful for the input. I really feel like this month has been much more co-creation in the uh, Amy McDonald community. So thanks, everybody, for um, sending me your emails. Uh, showing up on all the Facebook lives I've been doing and uh, sending me great messages um, on on Instagram. Special thanks to Frida and um, <laughs> Taryn for you know what, love you, and also to Katie, my masterminding buddy, who is running an incredible yoga professional summit uh, and has just been so supportive to me this past week as I've needed it. Folks, as always, if you've liked this, if it's been useful, I'd be so grateful for a review or some stars on Apple Podcasts. It does make a difference. It's not just an ego stroker, or I'm not going to lie. 
that, that happens. But uh, honestly, it makes a difference uh, for my business and the visibility of my business. That would be great. And again, don't forget, if you're coming on the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat, and I dearly hope you are, there are 18 people already registered. And man, it is like a powerhouse of energy. We're going to have such a great time. But if you know you are meant to be there, you've got until Monday night, Melbourne time, that's Melbourne, Australia, not Melbourne, Florida, to get yourself registered. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash retreats is the link. If you need a partial scholarship or you have questions, you need to reach out to me. I'm going to be at my Nana's all weekend long. Me and Nana and Scrabble and the bold and the beautiful. What can I say? It's, uh, it's, it's the Ananda Tandava. Um, the McDonald's. We're getting together. We're doing our thing. Can't wait. Uh, she lives in a retirement village. Makes me feel young and fresh and agile. I love it. Uh, and I'm also very happy to talk with you on the phone if that's what we need to clarify if you're meant to be on retreat or not. So hook me up. Uh, let's figure it out. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for everything that you do. God, it's just amazing. And for everybody who has been reaching out to me over the past month or so, um, I can't tell you how grateful I am for your energy, what it is that you're doing, for taking the time to write to me. I never take that for granted. Um, it just makes everything that I do worthwhile. So thank you so, so much. Till next week, folks, take care. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.